Welcome back to After the Buzzer Sports Talk, and I'm your host, Aiden Mayer. Alright guys, welcome back for another episode. Just going to be me today. Um, in today's episode, we are going to be talking about the Jamie Collins signing that occurred yesterday. I said yesterday, I'm sorry I didn't put in the episode yesterday, but we're talking about it today. Then we're going to talk about the situation with Anthony Davis and Zion Williamson Williams in New Orleans. We're assuming uh, Zion goes to New, uh, New Orleans. We're kind of just going over that whole situation in New Orleans, like what to do with Julius Randle, you know, what should Zion do, what should Anthony Davis do, what should they trade the pick, we'll get to all of that, and then we're going to get to the Red Sox uh, extra innings win last night over the Rockies, so we're going to get to all of that, but first we're going to start with the Jamie Collins signing, so let's dive in. All right, so yesterday, the New England Patriots re, uh, re, technically not re-signed, but signed former Browns linebacker Jamie Collins, and Jamie Collins used to play in New England. Uh, Jamie Collins was released by the Browns. He is right now, he's a 6'3", uh, if you didn't know, he's 6'3", 250 pounds, got solid size, he's 29 years old, he's an outside linebacker, and he used to play for... Um, the Patriots who picked him in the second round, 52nd overall, back in the 2013 draft. And I remember it was Halloween Day on 2016. And I couldn't remember at first, was it 2016 or 2017? Halloween Day. I remember I came home, but it was 2016, Halloween Day. I came home from school and I saw they traded him. And I remember they traded him for, I believe it was the... So Jamie Collins at the time, he was like, he's one of our better players on defense. And we traded him for a third and a fourth round pick. And I was furious. At the time they made this trade, a lot of people were like, why are we trade him for that? At the time, Bill Belichick wanted to send a message. Jamie Collins was kind of complaining, was, wasn't great in the locker room. And Bill Belichick said, yeah, this compensation isn't great. You're worth more than a third and a fourth. But here's my here's the thing I want to send a message to the guys that you, you kind of got to be better in the locker room and uh, you know these types of things you just didn't have the best personality he wasn't a great teammate you know in the locker room and whatnot and the third uh, round pick um, was part of the package to acquire Brandon cook and the fourth round pick was forfeit forfeited due to the flate gate and um their lower fourth round pick turned into Dietrich Wise Jr., which was actually a very good pick in the late fourth round. But fourth rounder forfeited. I believe that other fourth rounder, yeah, their lower fourth rounder, Dietrich Wise. So you got you traded Jamie Collins for Dietrich Wise and a puzzle to the a little piece to the package for Brandon Cooks. So you know it wasn't great, and then. You end up trading Brandon Cooks for a ton of picks. Isaiah Wynn, Keon Cross, and Ryan Izzo, Byron Cowart. Um, Cowart hasn't played yet. Uh, Izzo hasn't done really anything. Crossin's been eh. You played him a little too much, I thought, this year. And Wynn hasn't played yet. So, you know, that trade's still kind of up in the air because, you know, Cowart hasn't played. I doubt he works out, though. Izzo hasn't done anything. Crossin's done a little. I'm not really too sure on him. And Wynn's coming off that injury. So, you know, it's tough. It's tough to see, but um, at the Jamie Collins was cut for a reason. I mean, last year he played 16 games, had had a pick, and had a total of four sacks. So he's had five sacks. He had five sacks his two full years, and his two uh, well technically his two and a half years with Cleveland. He racked up a total of seven sacks. Given here, he didn't he didn't do much much more, but he five tackles for losses. Um, with Cleveland in his two and a half, three years, he had 
204, uh, 204 tackles, sorry, seven sacks. He had one fumble recovery. He had three forced fumbles, two interceptions, 30 games played, and all started 14 QB hits and 25 tackles for loss. But, you know, lately his numbers have been going down a little. I love the signing, though. You get a, a linebacker. Like, look at your linebacker charts, like the real guys that are going to actually play. You had Dante Hightower, Kyle Van Noyland, and Roberts. And Jawan Bentley, Christian Sam, and then just a ton of other guys that'll you know never play. So you have Jamie Collins. You get you're adding depth. I feel like this whole offseason, the Patriots. One of the number one things was let's play physical and let's get more depth. Part of playing physical is getting a lot of depth. And Collins is a physical guy. He's a very athletic, big linebacker, and he gives you that athleticism at linebacker. I don't feel like you have really a huge athletic Dante Hightower. Yes, and. But like Kyle Van Noy, he's not really that athletic. He's, you know, pretty well-known linebacker in New England. He's not that athletic. Gives you athleticism, and it helps you play a tougher brand of football. And it gives you depth at a linebacker, and I think you needed this type of guy. You bring in a guy who, yes, you just shipped away because he wasn't great in the locker room, but you bring in a guy who knows the system, knows what he's coming into, and brings you depth, physicality, and athleticism at the linebacker position. I really uh, I really like the signing. I don't know what else to say. Uh, you guys can call on the Anchor Mobile app again on anything. But on this Jamie Collins signing, what do you think about this? Personally, I really like it for the reasons I just listed. But, you know, we'll see how it goes. He uh, was expected to do some, like, on-field training today and whatnot. Um, today's Thursday when I'm doing this episode anyway. Um, and... I, I, I'm just I'm excited to see what he can do. Uh, I think he'll definitely play some sort of factor. I don't know how much he'll see the field. You know, maybe he'll start, maybe he won't. Because I think there's a chance he doesn't. You know, maybe I. You know, I hope he starts over Landon Roberts. But you know, who knows? I, with the Patriots, sometimes you see these guys walk in there. You're like, yeah, I'll probably start, and you, you just don't know. And you know, I want to see him a little more in, in text because I haven't really seen a lot of Jamie Collins. Uh, with the Browns. But anyway, how do you think about what do you think about the signing? Um, you guys can call in on the Eker Mobile app again, uh, just type it after the buzzer sports talk, send a voice message. But anyway, now we're gonna get to the whole situation in New Orleans with Anthony Davis. Uh, probably Zion, the number one overall pick. What should they do? What should Anthony Davis do? What should Zion do? Should he go back to Duke? We'll get to all of that coming up right now. Okay, so obviously the buzzer on the NBA is the New Orleans Pelicans laying the first overall pick. And we've all heard the news before that David Griffin wants to stay patient with Anthony Davis and try to get him to stay. And the fact that Zion, you know, could he go back to Duke? I don't think he will, and I think he'd be crazy to do it. I'm just putting that out there. Why would Zion go back to Duke? And I know New Orleans is not a you know ideal spot. I know he's probably not happy about it. He said he'd be happy anywhere, but you could just tell he wasn't happy about it. He's never even been to New Orleans. Uh, it's not ideal. My rundown on New Orleans, though, is if there's somewhere that they're solid at, it's the front court at the moment. But here's my problem with their front court, the good and the bad. The good is you have Anthony Davis, who's a top 10 player in the league, at least. Julius Randle, who's, you know, he looks like he could definitely be a future all-star. But Anthony Davis wants out. Julius Randle is a free agent. Then you have Jaleel Okafor, again, He's a bust, but he's shown some potential. I could flip it around and be a solid player. But, again, how much do you, how much of that do you like? But, again, mostly just Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis look like a very promising front court. But you might not have either of those guys. That being said, you take Zion. You take Zion. 
Now, Zion, don't go back to Duke. Why would you go back to Duke? It just doesn't make sense. Go into, get into the NBA. Just get into the NBA, okay? And and we'll take it one step at a time. It, just to leave all this money on, a, on the table, you know, it'll just leave a bad mark on your, you know, resume. It just doesn't make sense to go back, and I, I'd be so mad if he did. And it just doesn't make sense. I think he's going to go to New Orleans. Should New Orleans trade the pick, though? That's a, that's a thing. Should they try to if they want to keep Anthony Davis, should they trade it for another star? And this is where this offseason is going to be one of the greatest in NBA history, I believe. There's going to be a ton of player movement, and you really just don't know. It's hard to predict because there's so many different moving puzzle pieces, and so many you know this could happen, this could happen. That you, it's really hard to sit down, relax, and look over all of the possibilities. Now, the odds, no, they're not going to sign a big-time free agent. I'm sorry. They're just not going to do it. They don't have a lot of salary cap, and they're the New Orleans Pelicans. They're New Orleans. They just don't have the salary cap, and, you know, players are going to know. Again, I just said it, but the salary cap, it's New Orleans, and they know Anthony Davis. That's probably the one reason they'd go, might leave. So, should Anthony Davis hold out on this trade um, request? So, I know I'm kind of flying by all these things, but – Anthony Davis, he's 26 years old. He's got another year on his left in a deal, and then he has the player option. So, you know, he's kind of sitting here right now with basically one year left, and then he has that player option, as I just said. But anyway, should he just say, you know what, I'm calling off the trade request, I'm going to play out my time in New Orleans. You know, does Zion lure him back in? Does he sit here for a minute and think about it and say, you know what, maybe, you know, with Zion, we could do something, and he decides to stay? I definitely think there's a possibility. David Griffin, when your GM has the confidence in it, that's a good sign. Now, the Pelicans finished 13th place last year, only went 33-49, but they were the sixth seed of the year before and swept the Trailblazers in the first round, made it to the second round, lost to the Warriors in four or five games, I believe. So, yeah, your team finished 33-49, hair over 400, tied with the Mavericks for 14. You were horrible last year, but Anthony Davis has to sit down think about it and say, I really only have one year left on my deal. I have that second player option. And, you know, we've shown potential to be a playoff team. You know, maybe if I can just stay healthy this year, maybe if I try a little harder, plus Zion. I mean, that, that could really be. Here's my thing with it also, though. Plus Zion minus Julius Randle. Now, I know that sounds crazy and all, but Julius Randle put up fantastic stats. I'm not saying I'm taking Julius Randle over Zion Williams. I'm not that crazy now, and I, lo- I love Julius Randle, but I'm not, not that crazy. But what I'm trying to get at is Julius Randle put up stats last year of 73 games, only started 49 in 31 minutes, 21.4 points. 8.7 boards, 3.1 assists, 0.6 blocks, 0.7 steals, and a field goal percentage of 50%. So Zion, I, like if I weigh, you know, Julius Randle is going to get a little better. Zion maybe doesn't put up those stats. Like Julius Randle in the f- first year, what I'm trying to say, it's, I hope you know what I'm talking about here, but you're 33 and 49. If you, Take Julius Randle out and add Zion. It's kind of the same thing. Julius Randle's going to give you better scoring. 
And Zion might give you a little better defense, around the same rebound numbers, I believe, in that first year. First year, Zion will end up probably being a better player than Julius Randle. But Randle, would I rather have, you know, if I want to, if I'm going win now, just focusing on this one year, just basketball, not none of this publicity or anything. Do I want a rookie Zion or a 20, it's going to be 25-year-old Julius Randle? I'll take the 25-year-old Julius Randle. I, maybe you disagree. It's close because you have to factor in defensively. Zion's much better. You know, he might be a little better on the boards, but Julius Randle is uh, better. Going to be a better scorer. Uh, maybe a little bit better of a passer. Uh, I, I think just those kind of things and more experienced. And listen, I take Zion any day over Julius Randle. I'm not saying that. And it's close. You might say still Zion in his rookie year over Julius Randle in the fifth. But really take a look at Julius Randle's game because, you you know, he's very underrated. So you're probably saying, you know, Julius who? Like, but no, he he's, he's very good. So next season, he's probably putting up around 23 points per game, nine, maybe even 10 rebounds, I'd say around nine. He's going to put up numbers next year, 23, 24 points, nine rebounds, maybe three to four assists on like 51% shooting, I'd say. Um, Last year, no, he shot 52% last year. 50 overall in his career. So he's probably going to be like 54% from the field, very efficient scorer. So, I mean, tell me who you take. I'm taking the Julius Randle as 50 year from just focusing on that one year. So what I'm trying to say is it's a 33 and 49. You subtract Julius Randle, but you add Zion. How much better does that actually make them? And, yeah, it makes them better publicity-wise and, and these things. But I'm talking straight-up basketball. It's going to help their defense, but is it going to, you know, uh, these other things. So I think overall maybe Zion and Anthony Davis might be a better combo, maybe, if you want to say that type of thing. But, again, it's it's close. Zion, you know, could still put up a better year, but Zion's not going to put up those scoring numbers. He might be better defensively, but you see what I'm getting at, you know, how it's going to stay even. But Drew Holiday's a, you know, fringe also. They just need to get those better wing players. They need to get a winning culture and some better wing players because those, they are horrible wing players. They need to get rid of that Solomon Hill contract, and they just don't have really a winning culture. So that's kind of the whole situation there. I'm not sure they should trade it, obviously. I never say anything's untouchable. I always leave the door crack open. So I obviously hear offers. Obviously, I'm going to sit here and say, if I'm, you know, a team with, you know, the Pelicans, and I'm saying, oh, it's untouchable, obviously I'm still going to hear out offers. But I don't think they're going to trade the pick, uh, especially if, you know, Anthony Davis is still like, you know what, I'm out. But if I were Anthony Davis, I'd actually contemplate staying and just playing out that, that contract. And just seeing, maybe, you know, it's different with Zion. You know, it's going to be like your little brother in the front court. And maybe maybe he enjoys it and stays. Like, there's still hope in New Orleans. Now, you got Zion. Maybe Anthony Davis does stay. But I like the direction David Griffin's going. Staying patient, trying to get Anthony Davis to come back. And getting the first overall pick, obviously, was luck. But I like his route. Let's stay patient here with it. Now, the risky thing is here... If you stay patient, he plays and gets hurt. But the Pelicans, if they do stay patient, they could be a playoff team. They could jump. I'm not saying they would jump, but I'm saying they could jump from 13th, tied for 14th, technically. They could jump into the playoffs. Last year was a little weird. They have the team to jump into the playoffs. They might not go on a huge run, but they have the team to jump in the playoffs. So, you know, call in on this whole situation. What do you guys think? I just think 
you know, staying patient maybe isn't a horrible idea. So now we're going to talk about the Red Sox game last night, so let's get to that. All right, so last night the uh, Red Sox won 6-5 to five in 10 innings, uh, second uh, extra inning game in a row for the Red Sox since the Rockies, so a little bit of a long series for sure. Chavis with that walk-off uh, single or double, whatever you want to call it, he was, he was getting to – uh, he's getting to second at that time. Nice poke up the middle. But last night's game was – there were a lot of flaws in it. I'll just say that. You got off to that early lead. J.D. Martinez had a hot bat at the beginning of that game. You know, the intentional walk was very good yesterday. And you got off to that a hot start. Betts hits in a run. And then, you know, you go through the first – now in the third inning, you score three runs. It's 5 nothing. Top of the fourth inning, they score two runs. Those were kind of all, that was a weird, weird inning. Jackie Bradley Jr., let me just tell you this game, not only did he get gunned out at second, it hit the monster, and Tapia, who's their left fielder in Colorado, played that thing very well off the monster. The monster's tough to play, and he played it really well, but Jackie Bradley Jr. last night, don't get me wrong, that was a good hit, but I think his base running is a little overrated. He's, you know, I, I think, you know, it's not too overrated. It's nothing bad. I just think, you know, his base running gets a little overrated. And the thing about it, too, was also in that fourth inning, his arm got exposed. His arm absolutely got exposed. You know, not too shallow, not too deep of a fly ball. They tag up from third. That throw was a lollipop, and it was way off. It was an absolute lollipop, and it was way off. And I think saying JBJ... You know, the guy's got solid, you know, legs out in the field, and he can, you know, play these, you know. He, what I'm trying to say is he's a great fielder in the sense that he can really play you know, fly balls really well and smart fielder. You know, he can really get up there and rob some home runs. But his arm, it, that was not a good throw. That was a lollipop, and he's fallen over, and it was way off the mark as well. Jeez, that was ugly. But then the Rockies kind of get back in the game. Fifth inning, nothing happened. Sixth, in the, sixth inning. And then I hated the seventh inning. Hated it because they tied the game. But it's not that. Seventh inning, you're up 5-2. to two. Eduardo Rodriguez, man, men on second and third with no outs. At that point, second and third with no outs. It's the seventh inning. Eduardo Rodriguez has pitched over 100 innings. Why didn't you take him out? Why didn't you take him out right then and there? That was a bad Alex Cora. This isn't the first time this year he's pulled a pitcher way too late. And we know we've talked about, you know, he likes to pull him a little early sometimes. Well, this game was way too late. I'm sorry, Rodriguez. I, I you know, I like Rodriguez. It was a wasn't a great outing, but wasn't a bad one last night. But that seventh inning really ruined it. Then he hits Charlie Blackman and finally gets taken out. Loads of bases for Barnes. They tie up the game. Should have been taken out earlier. Corey, you got you. Ah, that's not the first time that almost blew you the game. Oh, that frustrated me. It really did. And then the more frustrating thing was not only that seventh inning. Oh, the decisions made. But then you blew it. You had a you had three opportunities late in this game to win the game, and it was the. Let me think about it. Sixth. Seventh and ninth, I'm pretty sure it was. I think it was the sixth, seventh, and ninth. There was the ninth inning where you had um, the the Devers fly out. That was a that was a bomb, and it, it just. But you had three innings late in that game. I'm pretty sure it was the sixth, seventh, and ninth innings. 
that you had an opportunity to really take a, a commanding lead and you blew them. You blew them all because you ground out, you know, feeble ground outs, little pop-ups to the catcher, Mookie Betts, you know, feeble ground outs to the shortstop, Eduardo uh, Nunez. And I, I can't rip Devers because that was a really good hit, but there's something after that. I usually can't put all the pieces together because it's sad that I can't. Usually I remember this stuff. I can't remember what innings you blew a chance to really take charge in that game because there were so many. The three innings late in that game, and I don't know which specific inning it was, that you really could uh, put that game away. And then 10th inning, Chavis with the uh, walk-off single. Uh, that was nice. Chavis made that incredible play at second two. It was like a scoop, very athletic play. Kind of made up for his – technically it was an error. He bobbled one at second, still made the play. There are no errors for either side last night, either ball club. But he kind of he kind of bobbled the ball a little bit at second on one play, and then he finally got the throw off. But, no, he was great last night, uh, Chavis was. Came in after you um, intentionally walked Raphael Devers, who – you know, it's been hot lately. Last night, four at bats, a walk, no hits. Although, you know, he still rocked that third at bat. That was a great hit. Uh, Chavis, though, two hits in RBI and five at bats. Like he's been really good this year. He really has. Um, he, he's just he's just really impressed me. How you come up and do that. Now, uh, on the other hand, someone I want to talk about was Andrew Benintendi, because. Lately, I feel like Benintendi has, you know, I want to I wanna just hear what you guys think. And I know no one seems to call in, but I'd, lo- I'd love it if you guys call in. But here's a question I want to ask you guys. And I- I'd love it if you called in, but I know at this point, I'm not really sure if that'll happen, but hopefully it will. You know, I hope you guys can call in on anything. But Benintendi, how-, how have you liked his season so far? Because his career average is... 280 batting average. He's hitting 271 this season in 39 games. He's hit five home runs, which isn't bad. 20 RBIs. So how have you liked this season this year? Because I think he's uh he's underachieved a little. He has. He struggled at the beginning of the year. Like he's been your leadoff. And he, he don't get me wrong. He's still a great player for the future. And he's been. He hasn't you know done horrible. But I, I'd like to see a little more from Ben Benintendi. You know, maybe a little more consistency, a few more just hits. I mean, he's getting on base last night. Oh, you know, uh, had two hits, a walk, two runs. But then, you know, I'm just saying, I want to see a little more consistency for him. That batting average just go up a little. That's all. That's all I'm saying. I mean, it's not a huge deal. I just I want to see a little more from Benintendi. That's a guy. And like a game like last night, and again, two hits and a walk and four at bats. I can't expect that every night. That's hitting 500. Or even over it, technically, because uh, two hits and technically three at bat. Well, three chances to hit because the walk. You know what I'm talking about. But I, I just, I don't think he's really. You know, he's just underachieved a little. I expected a little more from Andrew Benintendi, especially in that leadoff spot. Um, especially, you know, do we want him or Betts hitting there? But when Betts hits in the leadoff spot, he's kind of struggled this year. You know, he's had he's had ups. But they took him out of the leadoff spot for a reason. Benintendi was second last year, Betts was first. This year they changed it around because Betts was in a slump at the beginning of the year, and Benintendi has been in a slump. He's starting to break out of it, but I think he's underachieved a little. I'm just saying I want a, a few more hits. I want that batting average to rise up to at least a career average. And because he's, you know, he's one of your future players, so 
that's just something I want to throw out there. I feel like, you know, just a little under the radar. He is just uh, underperformed a little, I guess, if, if you will. Another guy that's kind of underperformed a little is uh, Eduardo uh, Nunez. Uh, hitting 191 on the season. His career average is uh, 270, I believe, 277 in his 10-year career. He's played all over the place, San Francisco two years. This is his third year in Boston, which is crazy. I feel like you just traded here last year. And in Minnesota for three years, the Yanks for four years. So, yeah, that's 10 years. And this season, he's only hitting 191. I loved him when he came here. I remember when he when we traded for him from San Francisco, I remember he he yeah he hit 321 that year. He was on fire. And I was just like, yeah, he's your second baseman. The next year, 265. This year, 191 in 25 games on 68 at-bats. So, I, listen, I just think that's kind of a guy who I expected a little more from. He can play second base, shortstop. He can play third base. I like him just at second base. But that's a guy that I want a little more from because I think he's one of those guys that you can really usually rely on to bring a little depth. So that's just things I want to point out. I mean, you have Michael Chavis now. If Chavis continues this, I don't know how much you need Nunez. But I, I want Nunez to be a reliable pinch hitter in one of those go-to guys off the bench. I'm just saying. He's kind of a little bit more of a utility guy than you think. I know he's mostly just second baseman, but the guy can play shortstop and third base, and I just want to see, you know, a little more out of the bat from him. Just for a guy that can be, you know, reliable to go to every once in a while and say, hey, you know, you're up, you're playing tonight. Because I think he can be one of those guys, and he's shown it in the past. So that's all I wanted to say. Uh, that's an, uh, that's all for uh, – this episode. So yeah, thank you guys for listening. Uh, calling on the Anchor mobile app, uh, typing after the buzz sports talks and a voice message. I would really appreciate that. Hopefully Billy uh, calls back into along with you guys. So yeah, thank you guys for listening and I'll see you next time.